right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN with Lynn Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we are going to be joined by David Lesky coming up at 425 here to talk a little Royals baseball. They're actually playing right now against the Astros, currently losing 3-2 to two as they sit what? at... The Royals are losing? Yeah, right. Uh, they sit at 30-50 and 50 on the season. And, yeah, they're, they're up 2 nothing. But uh, we'll, we'll catch up with David because we haven't talked um, to David in a few weeks here. Um, also, we're going to have Scott Chasen on half past the hour here. We're going to do another draft with Scott. We're going to draft Kevin's. And the only rule of the draft, you're not going to be allowed to draft Kevins that are, you know, like famous basketball players. Are there any Kevins that come to mind? Kevin Durant. Well, he's a basketball player. Right. Um, oh, any... gosh. Kevin from The Office. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. one that I, I have on my back. I hope well, Scott's not uh, here's the thing. Either. You could say he's a basketball star, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. He's more just known for being in The Office, but he's got his skills there. Yeah. He's my number one pick. Oh, Kevin Malone, uh, he's he's high up there on my big board. I'm not going to disclose where he is on my big board because I, I don't want if Scott's listening to this to, to seal it or something like that. So we'll see about that coming up here in about 25 minutes from right now. There was a report earlier today, so this comes from Braden Keith of Swim Swam, and you might be wondering what the heck is Swim Swam, why should I care uh, about that. Um, I actually I usually, actually used to work with Braden Keith uh, on another venture, um, and I'll tell you this, like, uh, very hardworking dude. He's not somebody who just like throws stuff out on the wall. And and this is also, you know, uh, not really like he's he's not like college football guy or something like he likes college football, those things. Um, but this kind of caught my eye, certainly. And he is very well rooted in a different world. So Swim Swam is actually the number one. It's basically like ESPN for swimming in whether it's College swimming, professional swimming. I don't know if they have professional swimming, but you're a professional who does swim. Right. International, like uh, events, Olympics, world events, whatever it is. Like it's it's the number one website for that. And he is like the head and and runs that website and everything. So it, it catches people off guard when you see like why why is that the guy who's breaking this big news? Um, again, like I I am not saying that this is like foolproof and that this is for sure happening. I still have hesitations anytime I see anyone say something. For instance, Dennis Dodd earlier this week, who seems to be a very trusted uh, reporter and in, in everything with CBS Sports, he was saying that the Big Twelve was in deep talks with these Pac twelve schools. Since then, Pac twelve schools have kind of denied that or have said that they're angry with Dennis Dodd about the reporting. There it doesn't seem like anything has come of that just yet. Um, I'm just saying. I wouldn't just necessarily straight up discount this just because of where he works or something. I, I know him personally. He's a good dude. And he, like I said, this is very like out of the blue for him to even do something like this. Anyway, here's the report that he put out there. North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. 
So again, I'm not I'm not taking this as like fact, but you know, it's it's something. Uh, ESPN is trying to void their deal with the ACC. That's the other part of this. Um, so uh, there there's parts in this where again, like I, I know one of the big questions as part of this report is why on earth would ESPN want to cancel, want to void their deal with the ACC? Like, in what way does it make sense? Because the the ESPN kind of has all these ACC schools, um, you know, kind of by the by the you know what, um, to where they are locked in so long till twenty thirty six that how would they behoove and, and they have them at such a cheap deal? It's like they're paying them like thirty something million dollars a year per school. That why would they want to cancel that? I would just say this: like, what if hypothetically in their eyes they're saying? Um, if we add these four schools to the SEC, we're going to get a new media deal with the SEC that is going to be worth much more to us than that ACC deal is. Or it could just be that, you know, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, whatever schools are basically saying, we don't care about this ESPN TV deal, the ACC deal that we're going to have to pay the next 15 years of our contract money or whatever to get out, we're leaving anyway. So ESPN, you can either help us or we're all going to leave and the value of the ACC with all of us leaving is going to absolute tank. So why don't you help us and we'll do you a favor and throw you a bone in, in helping out with the the TV deals and us joining the SEC. I don't know how that would work, but clearly this is not something either that like feels that out of the blue. Like this is something that people have been pointing at for a while now, uh, ever since USC and UCLA and heck maybe even before then of like, well, couldn't you see Clemson and Florida state eventually going over the ACC and stuff like that? Like this would make all the sense in the world to me. I think it, it makes sense to to kind of look at these in, in a couple different parts. Uh, the first part of it, like, let's start with what the impact would be for the SEC. Again, like this isn't fact. It doesn't mean it's happening it's also the middle of July, so it's something to talk about. Let's do it. Uh, the SEC, obviously, at that point, they would get up to 20 teams, continue to be an absolute mega conference. Where is the end in sight? I have no idea. Um, I mean, the SEC, like, think about that, too. Like, basketball-wise, you have North Carolina, Kentucky, the same conference. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Football-wise, you have the Florida State-Florida rivalry. Um Clemson joining in the same league with with the two Carolinas at that point, North Carolina. The Virginia one is interesting. Virginia's been linked a lot to like the Big Ten uh, and academically so, and it's weird that Virginia would leave without Virginia Tech, but again, like it's not like totally unheard of. This would just continue to, because this would almost feel like the SEC, it's funny, the SEC fired the first shot with adding Oklahoma and Texas. And then the Pac-12 loses out USC and UCLA. That's the Big Ten making the move to kind of because the Big Ten was actually making more money than the SEC right now uh, per school. So then you add those schools, and then you're like, okay, maybe the Big Ten's going to be making the same amount of money as the SEC. This feels like if this were to happen, it would be a move by the SEC to say, no, we're top dog again. We're making the most money. Um, so, so do you think uh, expanding is a kind of like a uh, motion of power, possibly? Saying, we're the best, let's be better. I mean, yes and no. I, I think it's it's like I don't think it's about power in terms of like let's just see what we can do here and and show off that we are the one. I think it the power is in relation to money. 
like the power derives from how much money you're going to get on these media deals and and stuff like that. And and I don't know, maybe it does have something to do with this whole idea that's been floated around many times about the SEC and and maybe even the Big Ten like seceding away from the NCAA, and so they want to. Uh, it's like Noah's Ark at this point. They're right. trying to build up as many different like you know they want to get two of every animal. They want to get. Uh, they don't really probably care about. Well, are we going to get you know, a muskrat or something, but you know, yeah, let's get the elephants. Let's get the, right. the giraffes. And that's what these schools are. Like they're the ones that you want to have in case they do kind of succeed away here. Uh, the second part of this would be the ACC. Right now, the ACC seems to be in a fine spot unless this were to happen because of that media rights deal. But again, going back to that, if those schools are like, I don't care, we'll pay the media rights deal. We're going to be making so much money in the SEC that we're going to be able to offset that. We don't care. Then, the media rights deal becomes less prevalent, especially if ESPN were to venture in in, in some way and and kind of work around it. Um, so the ACC would be in terrible position if that happens. I mean, they would still have some big schools like Miami, Louisville, Virginia Tech. Like you get on the list. There, there's others that I'll get to. Yeah, here but in only a having a few big schools only takes you so far. Is just is just the point. Correct. And I mean, Clemson has been your. I mean, that's been your top dog in football the last whatever decade because like let's bear in mind the pac-12 yeah if they stay with you know stanford i don't know if you can call, count cal as a big school but they're kind of up there oregon's definitely a big school it can only take you so far exactly and, and even the pac-12 uh, like they're obviously struggling right now they're trying to find a solution so you take away north carolina you're i mean you could argue north carolina or duke who's your bigger i would argue north carolina um is your bigger fish there in, in right. basketball but it's about even it doesn't matter uh Florida State, even though Clemson has been your your best team the last ten years, Florida State historically has been your best team. So you'd be losing those two. Like that's the equivalent of losing the Texas and OU for that conference specifically, and then you just lose Virginia as well. Um, I mean, it'd be a huge blow. Uh, they'd be in as bad of a position, maybe to your point, like even worse than the Pac-12, because the one thing that I guess would be going for the Pac-12, like yes. Uh, Oregon and Washington are certainly schools that any conference would would love to have, maybe outside of the Big Ten and SEC. Like maybe they're saying, no, you wouldn't add enough, but uh, those are big brands. Outside of that, like a lot of the other schools in the Pac-12, you could argue, yeah, it makes sense. And hopefully the Big 12 does add these schools like Arizona and Arizona State. But how much are they moving the needle for like a Big Ten or SEC? Whereas you go down the ACC and you could still say, even after adding those four, you could say, no, but it also makes sense for the the uh, SEC to add Miami down the road too, or Louisville, right, and pair them uh, with Kentucky in that area. Um, so, and you could find other schools too. Um, so they they would be in a lot of trouble, just like the Pac-12, if that happens. Uh, the third one, if we go to the Pac-12, right now the Pac-12, we've much discussed this. They have a potential life raft out there, and again, we don't really know the details of this, how much it would help. But theoretically, the potential like alliance agreement between the ACC and the Pac-12 would help kind of buoy the Pac-12 and possibly help the ACC from avoiding this type of stuff. But if, if those schools leave, then instead of it being the ACC's stable and we're throwing out a life raft to you. It's now two sinking ships. And if you tie a rope between two sinking ships, 
it's not going to prevent the ships right. from sinking. Right. So the Pac-12, um, if this were to happen, I would imagine. I, I I guess I don't know. Like I don't know what's more likely. Well, the, the the one thing I'm thinking of is maybe possibly a deal with the ACC. It's like having a hole in your life raft. It's starting to sink, but maybe a deal would plug up that hole. Uh, maybe that's that's what or I think is interesting. It, it's, it it could either plug up the hole or make an even bigger hole. Yeah, I um. And you, I mean, so do you run the risk of possibly plugging up that hole? But if it just does not succeed, you sink faster. I think that it's hard to figure out what the direction would be for both conferences if this happened in terms of their relationship, right? Right. Because of the fact that you could make the argument that if if both are in a bad position now, it makes even more sense to link up because now they're both even more desperate to try to find some common footing that will allow them to kind of stay together. So from that standpoint, maybe it would make it even more likely that the two would come to some sort of arrangement between the two of them. But also, you could say, well, the ACC was the one who proposed this to the Pac-12. And if that's the case, you know, we're waiting on the Pac-12, seeing if they would decide to do it or not. And if the Pac-12 is already having hesitations about whether they would do it now, why would they do it with those four less teams in the ACC? So maybe you could also say, that that move out of the ACC, if that were to happen for those four teams, would kind of just destroy any idea of a partnership between the two. Yeah, so, I could agree with that. Last uh, among them, because the Big Ten, you know, they're, they're fine and they're not really affected by this one way or another, um, would be the Big 12, who's affected, obviously. So this is not just um, something that would open up you know, the Big 12 is is being, once again, like clearly the, the best position behind uh, the Big 10 and the SEC because the ACC and Pac-12 are in turmoil. But it could also, if, if ESPN did cancel that TV deal somehow, or if at that point those four schools left and everybody else is like, I don't really care, we need to get the best situation for us, that would really open up ACC teams to joining the Big 12 as well. And I mean, I, I've kind of floated out there like I think it'd yeah. even be cool to, to go beyond the, the Pac-12 teams you could possibly add. Like, why not go to 20? Why not go to 24? Heck, if the SEC made this move, they'd get up to 20. You could do that with the ACC schools and not have to bring on schools that you have questions about as, as if they could, like, be Power 5 schools. Now, the schools that would make the most sense to me if this were to happen, and, and again, like, this is just July talk, kind of whatever. Um, adding in Pittsburgh would be great. Their arrival of West Virginia, their travel partner for West Virginia, they're nearby Cincinnati as well. So you have, you know, everything's right there. Um, add Miami. I, I still feel like Miami would, would want to eventually go to, like, the Big Ten or the SEC. Um I would say I, I I would say they'd probably make a better fit in the SEC in my opinion. Yes, but if they're out there and they're willing to yeah. talk, and they're a big brand, I was actually yeah I was actually about to say that if you if you have a possible Big Twelve if you have a possibility of taking Miami you take that. Yeah, you make the call. 
right? Doesn't mean they're going to take it, but you make the call, and right. that would give you a travel partner, too, for UCF. Um, I mean, honestly, you could just say, like, let's just add every remaining Pac-12 team and every remaining ACC team, and we'll be in, like, three 10-team segments or something like that, and we'll figure it out from there and, and whatever, and that'd be cool, too. Uh, you could add Duke if you wanted to be, like, right? If you had Arizona and then you had Duke— you got Louisville as well. I mean, that is an absolute basketball powerhouse conference. Like that would be the equivalent of those those old Big East leagues where it's like Ooh, yeah. a team finished Definitely. fifth in the Big East and they got like a two seed. You know what I mean? Um, so that would be cool. Um, Virginia Tech would make some sense. They're obviously a pretty big, pretty big brand. Um, Louisville would make a ton of sense. They have a gigantic media market in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's not like a professional sports team there where they just gobble that up. They're a big money school. They have a strong basketball background, and, you know, we've seen them be good for select years in in football that that would make a ton of sense for them to come over. And I don't know what would happen with, like, your Georgia Techs and NC States and stuff like that. Like, maybe you could make room for them as well. But those are the ones that would make a ton of sense for me. So imagine if you're the Big 12 and you were able to go out there and you were able to nab Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Louisville. My question is, does it make sense to be that ambitious right now, or is that being a little too ambitious? No, I think it makes a ton of sense. Okay, If not now, then when? Because this appears to be your best opportunity. I mean, the perfect example is the Pac-12, right? The Pac-12 last offseason, I mean, heck, before. Uh, the Pac-12 a decade ago, or a decade plus ago, it looked like a bunch of the Big 12 teams were going to join the Pac-12, and the Big 12 was going to be screwed over. That ended up falling through. I'm sure the Pac-12 would have loved it to come through, but it ended up not happening. Colorado went over. That was it. Then last year, the Big 12 was in a very weak spot. The Pac-12 had an opportunity last year that they could have raided the Big 12 or they could have come to a merger with the Big 12, and the Pac-12 wouldn't be where they are here today. Like Certainly, you'd lose a lot of value still by losing USC and UCLA, but you'd be afloat at this point, um, and they opted not to do it. And take that lesson if you're the Big 12, because right now everything feels comfortable in the Big 12. Things can shift very quickly. They can shift on a dime. So be as aggressive as possible. Be as ambitious as possible right now. So yeah, like I said, you add those six teams from the Pac-12, you add Pittsburgh and Louisville from the ACC, you get up to 20 teams, split it up however you want. Four divisions of five, um, two divisions of 10. I don't care how you do it. Get as much inventory, get as much power, get as many big media markets, as many travel partners, whatever you want to call it, because there is no certainty left in college athletics. There is no certainty left in kind of this realignment thoughts. And, and because of all that, because of the opportunity it could provide the Big 12, like I think if you're you're someone who wants the Big 12 to thrive and and proceed and, and grow in these things, which certainly I would classify myself as when Kansas is in that conference and we're in Big 12 country, I'm rooting for the SEC and or the Big 10 to in some way raid the ACC because that would just create a further avenue for the Big 12 to be that conference behind the Big 10 and the SEC that survives, that thrives, and is able to really scoop up some of these other teams and become a really, really good conference. And that is what I kind of hope happens. 
He's Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We're going to be joined by David Lesky to talk Royals baseball in about an hour. We'll have some more realignment talk throughout the show, some KU news to get to as well. But coming up next, we're going to be joined by Scott Chasen. He is going to do a draft with us, a draft of Kevin's. That on the other side. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Another day, another draft with Scott Jason joining us here. And um, we're going to continue to get more unique on some of these drafts. Uh, we didn't really know what to draft for this week. I just kind of texted Scott. I was like, hey, do you want to draft? I, I kind of like chomping at the bit. Haven't done anything in a couple weeks. Um, let's, let's draft something. And you came up with the idea. Obviously, uh, the Phoenix Suns are in on Kevin Durant right now, and, and I think this is your way of trying to signal to Kevin Durant, like, I love you. Come over to the Phoenix Suns. We're going to draft Kevin's. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was less that and more of, I feel like the news cycle is very Kevin-dominated, so mm-hmm. just how topical to do a draft of Kevin's, and who knows? Yeah, if Kevin Durant decides to start searching his name, and then, or, yeah, searching Kevin, <laughs> then he finds this draft, then he hears this, then he knows he's welcome on the Suns. Maybe he'll push even harder to get the Suns mm-hmm. to trade for him. So, absolutely, I'm on board with this. So, we're recording this before the show, so I, I ask this question now, knowing that something could happen between now and then, and... It's just going to either look idiotic or we're going to look really smart. Um, DeAndre Ayton, that whole situation is very weird. Uh, most of the time we just see young players who are good. The team is just like, yeah, maybe we're overpaying you a little bit. We're just going to resign you. That's not the case for them. And it seems like, like if they're going to make a trade, they need to do it soon because otherwise somebody's just going to sign him. What are your kind of your thoughts on, on this whole uh, fiasco with DeAndre Ayton? Well, so it, it kind of goes back to last year because you're right. Normally you would, like Michael Porter, I think, got a max, um, a rookie-designated max. It's not the same as like a super max contract that guys like Nikola Jokic or Devin Booker are getting this offseason. I think Bradley Beal might be in that category. Um, it's not obviously not the same. It's a much, much, much lower dollar amount. But um, the Suns made the decision not to give DeAndre Ayton a full five-year rookie-designated level max last year. And the reason why is, um, the GM said, you're only allowed to have two of those players on your roster. And to go a step further, you're only allowed to acquire one of those players by trade uh, on your roster. And Devin Booker obviously falls into that category of a rookie designated level max guy. And so the Suns wanted to keep flexibility open in terms of roster additions. And they only offered Aiden a four-year max contract or a three-year max. They didn't give him the full five. So Aiden said, we're not going to sign that. We're going to see what happens. And that's how you kind of arrive at this point a year later where uh, now Aiden's probably going to end up on another team. He could sign an offer sheet, like you said, and then the Suns either have to match and keep him and then they can't trade him or they have to let him walk. So the Suns are kind of in a tough situation now, mostly by their own doing. But um, ironically, by trying to stay flexible, they kind of made themselves a little bit more inflexible with how it all worked out. 
I thought that they could trade him. They just have to. You have to wait like a, it's like a sixty day or, or whatever it is, like grace period after you sign someone. Yeah, they they could trade him. They just wouldn't be able to do it immediately. And with Kevin, you know, you would assume that right. Brooklyn's fielding offers and and you know, I guess I think Brian Windhorst said today it's not quite the bidding war that Brooklyn hoped it would be. But you would imagine, you know, you have to put your your plans on hold of trading for Kevin Durant for a couple months. Uh, he's probably getting traded to someone else in the meantime. Would be my guess. Uh, but on the bright side, Devin Booker is on the uh, 2K cover. So there you go. Uh, you lose DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker on the 2K cover. I think those are about even. Um, yeah. <laughs> that said, okay, so our draft of Kevin's here. Um, something we discussed ahead of time, uh, because obviously I'm sure for a lot of people they're thinking, oh, well, Kevin Durant will clearly be the number one pick. I don't know, like Kevin Love or something will be a high pick in this draft. Kevin we Garnett. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Garnett. Um, we actually have a rule to make this even more interesting. You can't draft a Kevin that is like a basketball player. Now, if they played basketball in like high school or something, that's fine. I don't know. I, I, like, do you want to make the cutoff NBA? Do you want to make it college? Like, how do you want to do that? If if they are most well known for basketball, they are draft ineligible. Okay, I think I that's like that. the best way to. Put I like it. that. So, like Kevin McCuller, for instance, not draft eligible as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. All right, cool. So uh, we're each going to draft, you know, our starting five and a coach for this one. Um, I don't know if you really have a preference of whether you want to go first or not. I, I do have a uh, two-cent euro in my wallet that I could flip if we, uh, if you have a preference or don't. Yeah, well, first, let's just establish one more rule that mm-hmm. there is, you know, we're going to try and pick Kevins that could play basketball, but each of us is allowed one kind of wild card Kevin, which could be, it's a wild card in any sense of the word, any sense of your imagination that you want it to be. As long as it's in the realm of Kevin and you're putting that person thing or whatever on your basketball team, uh, it is all within the realm. So uh, I just want that on the record before we start. And I would like to call whatever the equivalent of tails is. Okay. Uh, the equivalent of tails. It one side has two cent, and it has uh, like picture of the world on it. The other side has like a leaf. I think it might be a. I actually have no idea what leaf. I'm not even gonna try to guess. Um, okay, so I'm gonna guess the leaf is tails. Flip. No, no, no. There. The leaf no? is heads. The okay, leaf, the leaf the is leaf heads. Is clearly heads. Well, then I won the toss because it was leaf. So um, I will take the first pick. Okay, go ahead. Um, I am going to go with, I, I assume this goes into the category of wildcard pick. I'm still not totally clear what that is, but I, I'm kind of assuming that it is. Uh, this is going to be my center. Uh, Kevin from Up. Yes. Have, have you ever seen Up? Uh, I, I, I have seen Up a long time ago, but doing some research, I also decided I wanted Kevin from <laughs> Up on my team. So this is a good pick. Would that have been, uh, I, I was worried this was a little too high, but the more I got thinking about it, I was like, you know, if you want someone, you go out and get him, you, you know. Um, so I, I don't know who you would have taken first if, if you would have gone Kevin from up, but here's the reason why, uh, Kevin from up is a 13 foot tall mm-hmm. tropical bird. I mean, <laughs> he's skinny, he's tall. He's basically Chet Holmgren. Um, mm-hmm. I don't love that my center doesn't have any hands, but you know, birds <laughs> use their mouth for everything. So I'm sure he can use yeah. it in some way. More importantly, He's going to be an absolute rim protector, and he can he can I don't know maybe he can't fly because he's probably like one of those birds that can't fly, but he can probably move quick enough around that uh, I like the way my defense has started uh, building with Kevin from up as my center. Well, you mentioned Chet Holmgren, and I don't know Derek if you turned on your television or opened your computer yesterday, but Chet Holmgren was playing in a basketball game, and mm. did you happen to see what was going on? Yeah, uh, 
is it Kenny Lofton or something like that? Whatever. What's his name? Kenny Lofton. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny Lofton was kind of bullying. Uh-huh. He went at him the first two possessions of the game. And sometimes you just need a, a kind of stockier, not necessarily the tallest, you know, just a powerful dude to really take it to a guy like Chet. So that's what I'm going to do with my first pick, except my first pick also has touch. My first pick is the best shooter of any Kevin who's ever lived. Wow. Uh, basketball players included. Uh, Mike Kevin has done it on a national stage, and yet he is oh, not no. most well-known for basketball. I'm going with Kevin Malone from Dang the it. office. And I think you know this, but if you've seen the basketball episode, the scene at the end of it, he drains like 18 or 23-point mm-hmm. jumpers in a row. Kevin Malone, automatic jumper. He's going to be my first pick. I'm putting him as my small ball four. Yeah, I love. He was actually number two on my big board behind uh, Kevin mm-hmm. from Up because it's <laughs> like that's not all fake too. I I was listening to you know some some interviews with him and stuff, and, and he's talked about how like no, he plays basketball like a ton. Like he plays a ton of pickup basketball, and um, I'm I I think that scene was actually like it wasn't like hey let's plan this scene. And do it. I think he just like happened to to shoot a shot, and they they got video of it, and they were like, "This would be funny if we put it in there." Um, so I love that pick. I had him written down as like a stretch four, stretch five. He's only six one, but as mm-hmm. we're gonna go through the list of players here, I think it's gonna become very apparent that like if you're six one, six two, six three, like you're big enough to be the center. Really, the one exception is Kevin from Up, who's thirteen feet tall, which that's abnormal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. that's a great pick. This is like a Sunflower League basketball game. And by that, I mean, if you're about six foot four, you might be the center on your team. Um, But that's okay because you can still be really talented. Um, I'm going to go with some size here because I can't let you have all the size. I'm going to take the former, oh God, um, one, he was one of either, uh, one of the old wrestling federations, either WCW or WWF. And then I think he still does some stuff currently. Little older guy, his name is Kevin Nash. And the reason why I'm taking him is this man is six foot 10. Uh, I forget. I think he's gone through a bunch of different characters, but he is a giant. He is physical and he literally beats people up for a living. So uh, I'm going to take Kevin Nash and feel pretty good about that at my five spot. He's going to foul out. Yeah, that's okay. You have a bird at center. I mean, he's going to be elite at taking charges as Kevin from up on Kevin Nash. He's he's not going to know how to control his temper. He's not going to know how to control his rage. Um, okay, uh, I have back-to-back picks. Um, let's go with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, mm, nice. He is a fantastic midfielder for Manchester City and also on the uh, Bel- Belgian, Belgium soccer team, whatever it is. Um, and, and he is known for being one of the best passers in the game of soccer. I mean, you're looking at, like, for instance, this past season in the Premier League, the, the league leader in assists had 13 of them over the course of the season. Uh, De Bruyne was kind of injured this year, came back at the end of the year. But a couple years ago, when he had his, like, best season, he had 20 assists. So, like, that just shows you, you know, how good of a passer this guy is. I'm going to play him at point guard. He's an athletic young guy. Obviously, he can run fast. We know he has the vision to be a passer. I'll take Kevin De Bruyne as my point guard. And yeah, then, real quick, yeah. real quick. Um, just remind me, in soccer, that's the one where you use your hands to pass the ball. <laughs> is that correct? I, hey, he can pass it with his feet if he wants. I don't care. Okay. It's the job. So, so hold on. You've got a bird at center, uh-huh. and you've got a guy who doesn't know how to throw a ball at point guard. Okay, please continue. This okay, but he has the mental ball. vision. He, he can, like, see the passes ahead of time, you know? Okay. He's got that okay. part of things. Um, That's fine. That's fine. Hmm. 
This is where it's tough. I have a big drop off after this in terms of my like tiers of rankings. Uh, let's go with uh, a guy who was a pro athlete, Kevin Cobb. Um, he gives me a little bit of size. I'll, I'll put him right now with the four position. I don't know. I might end up making him the three, but let's go with the four at the time. He's six foot three, gives him size. We know he has, like, I know you think of quarterbacks in the NFL, especially a guy like Kevin Cobb, who wasn't known for being like a scrambler, and, and you don't think of them being these amazing athletes, but then you compare him to regular people, and it's like, no, he's still, like, very athletic. He's uh, still, you know, so um, I have no idea if he has any basketball background, but uh, I don't know. Kevin Cobb, he's a professional athlete. Put him at the four. And, again, feel good about yeah. your passing. Uh, yeah. I, now, see, he could have been your point guard, yeah. um, and that would have made more sense to me. But um, to each their own. You know, there's a funny video where Steve Nash was being like a, a fake reporter for, like, Letterman or someone at the NBA Finals. And he's interviewing a fan in, like, the concourse. It was, like, the Magic and Lakers uh, final. And, and he's like, you know, people don't understand how tall NBA players are because we're always standing next to, you know, other NBA players. But let me grab a normal guy, and you'll see how much taller I am. And he grabs the guy, and they are exactly the same height. And it is <laughs> very funny. So, okay, um, let's see. Well, uh, look, your first two picks were on my board, and they were really high up on my board. Um, I still have a lot of people intact here, so I'm going to run down. Let's see. Okay. I am going to take at the three spot Kevin James. And notice, by the way, I'm not just going to take athletes, okay? Um, although Kevin I'm James sorry, but that is a athlete. horrible pick. No, no, I'm changing. I'm changing. Kevin James at the two, actually, because I have a better pick for my three. Um, Kevin James plays so many athletic characters. He's the Adam Sandler actor, right? The the guy who plays so many of those like crazy, insane characters. Mm-hmm. Like, he plays a wrestler in something. I'm pretty sure he pay, plays Sean Payton in something. Um, and I'm not picking yeah, athletes like you are, Derek. Uh, I'm not picking athletes like you are. I'm picking fun Kevins that would be, uh, you know, it'd be a spectacle like the Harlem Globetrotters. I'm not even, when I put this up for a poll, I'm not even putting Kevin James. I'm putting Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> Please do. That's <laughs> totally fine. You're welcome to do that. Um, okay, Kevin James. And he's 5'8", by the way, so he's got to be my shooting guard. Um, I'm going to take my coach now, and I want to take Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Mm. Wonderful, uh, from Shark Tank. I think he's smart. He can buy all the other teams in the league. He can make people offers that kind of distract them and make them think about things while my team runs up the score. I'm going to take Kevin O'Leary as my head coach, Mr. Wonderful, as he's called, and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, so I actually I, I wrote like a little piece of like guys that I couldn't figure out what I would want them as, and but I just wanted to bring up at the end of the draft, he was one of those in the honorable mention was Kevin O'Leary because I don't think the players are going to like playing for him. He, he's, uh, I don't know, very direct, and, and he's not a very agreeable dude, and I don't know if he has any basketball background. He's also from Canada. Okay. Do they even play basketball up there? I don't know. It's always hockey. That's a, that's um, a good question, Derek. <laughs> uh, you're right, a very direct, kind of cranky, standoffish coach who's a stickler for doing things his way. You're right. I, I can't imagine um, there's a scenario where that's ever oh, uh worked out really well and resulted in a bunch of championships. I'm just saying. I don't know how much basketball he knows, I, but I had him down. Down, if hypothetically we needed a GM or an owner, he'd be my first pick there. Mark Cuban is literally his coworker. He can just ask him questions if he needs to. Dude, Mark Cuban's an owner. He's not drawn up plays for Luka Doncic, which he's not getting plays drawn up anyway. He's just dribbling the basketball and then does something. But anyway, uh, okay, uh, next two picks for me. So I don't need a coach right now. I can wait on that. Now, 
this is where is Kevin from up? You know, we mentioned the wild card thing. Is he the wild card? That's your wild card. Okay, that's so. your wild card. And by the way, if you take another athlete, I'm gonna scream. You got to You got to come with some creative Kevins here. Well, like. See, I wanted to. I, I guess I'll just bring him up now because it doesn't sound like I can take him. But I can't take Kevin from Minions. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Go right ahead. Oh, I can take him. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm taking uh, Kevin from you know Despicable Me and, and the Minions movies and everything. Um, I don't really know what position he's going to play. I don't know. He's a guard, I guess. Aren't uh, Minions like really tiny? I have not seen any of these movies. Man, dude, they are, like, so popular on, uh, like, social media and everything right now. How are you missing mm-hmm. all this? Well, I was too busy watching Morbius for the hundredth time, so. Oh, okay. Uh, Kevin from Minions, though, is, like, the tall minion. Now, when oh. I say tall minion, he's three foot seven. So, <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. But he's crafty. He's smart. He's uh, going to keep the locker room loose on the inside. He's going to just get things done. He's... He's not somebody that you need to go out there and score 30 points. He's going to do the little things. He's going to take charges. He's going to get steals. He's going to play good defense. He's going to be a coach's dream. So Kevin from Minions um, in at the number two position. And I think he's so teachable, so coachable. I think he could learn how to shoot. Um, so I, I, huh. I like that pick there. Okay, He's guarding Kevin James. He is. You have a minion guarding Kevin James. Dude, Kevin James is short, out of shape, and not good at basketball. And yet he's still two feet taller than Kevin from Minions. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen players finish over Yao Ming before that are probably like six feet tall. It's kind of similar. Okay. Um, I want to do honorable mentions after this, too, by the way, because I have a really long list <laughs> here. Okay, okay. Man, I'm between... Couple guys, all you're going to be mad at me about this one. It's not really an athlete, but he's in the athletic realm. I'm going to take Kevin Sumlin. Huh. So Kevin Sumlin, the I don't even know where he's coaching now. He might not even have a job, but uh, formerly of Houston. Then uh, heck, he might have a tie to Kevin Cobb. I don't even know. And then went to Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel, and then went to Arizona and kind of flamed out. And again, I have no idea where he is now. But he's around six feet tall. I don't know that for sure. I couldn't find the height on him. But if you uh, go to Google Images and you see pictures of him next to Johnny Manziel listed six feet tall, they're about the same height. When Manziel has the helmet on, Manziel looks maybe an inch taller. But when Manziel doesn't have the helmet on, Manziel looks about maybe an inch shorter. So we'll just call Kevin Sumlin somewhere around six feet tall. But also he played basketball in high school. So we know he has basketball skills. He seems to be in good shape. Kevin Sumlin's going to be my three. Uh, you're 57 year old small forward. Okay, let me round out. Dude, you have roster. Kevin James. He's like 60. Kevin James is athletic. Kevin James is deceptive. In what world? <laughs> I don't know. In the world we live in. Okay, you ready? Um, so I'm going to save my wild card pick for last because, again, now keep in mind, you have a 13 foot bird and a minion. <laughs> yeah. So I get to make an aggressive pick with my wild card, and we're not going to complain about it. Um, at point guard, I have real basketball options, but I continue to think that the way to win this is creativity and fun. And so I'm not taking Kevin Pillar, who is actually an athlete. I'm not taking Kevin Richardson from the Backstreet Boys, who is six foot mm. one. I'm taking Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, I'm pretty sure, has played in the celebrity all-star game yeah, at the NBA. Not very well, though. Basketball experience. Eh, who cares? He's 5'2". You know, I, I, I've got a, t- a huge size advantage on you if you look at average height from the one to four positions and nothing else. Uh, so I feel really good about that. 
and uh, yeah, Kevin Hart at point guard. Okay, so I disagree with that. I have like a huge height advantage with De Bruyne over Kevin Hart, and then uh, you have an eight inch advantage there. I have a two foot advantage. Well, I have a two inch advantage at the four. So how about that? I have a I have a a six foot advantage at the five. So deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, no hands, though. No hands. I still have one more pick. I've got my small forward, and this is going to be my wild card pick. Uh, I'm taking Kayvon Thibodeau from the New York Football Giants. Um, That is my wild card pick. He is 6'4". He will be my small forward. He is a former top five NFL draft pick. His name is not Kevin. It is close enough. He is a (laughs) two-time first-team all-Pac-12 member, Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year, unanimous All-American out of Oregon. I believe a five-star recruit, if not very high up. Kayvon, a.k.a. Kevin-ish Thibodeau. Uh, Yep, I am absolutely taking him at the three. I'm taking Kavon Looney. (laughs) Oh, uh, he's a basketball player, so you can't do that, actually. Yeah, but his name's not actually Kevin, so he got out of the... But he's still a basketball player. No, but he got out of the... the, We found a loophole there, so it's fine. Well, you need a coach. Okay, I do need a coach. I'm between um, two people. I'm between... I guess you can't pick, so I can bring him up. Kevin Feige, who is Mm -hmm. the... I had him on my list. Yeah, he's the head man of Marvel, and and obviously things have gone very well for Marvel. They've made millions of dollars and had cool storylines and stuff, and and he's kind of the brain trust behind that. So clearly he uh, is good at thinking ahead and and coming up with strategic plans. Uh, The other one is Kevin McAllister, who is the home alone child who, you know, on one hand... Is it going to be hard to inspire my team if my coach is a child? Yes. But he clearly has shown in the movies, like, he's he's very smart, he's very quick-witted, and he's able to, you know, uh, adjust and, and problem-solve on the fly very well, right? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kevin Feige though. I just <laughs> I go back to the issue of like, is my team gonna respond well to a child as their head coach? Yeah, um, I like that you talked the Kevin McAllister up. Kevin McAllister was on my list too as well, although at point guard. Um, I like that you talked him up so much, and then we're like, <laughs> okay, but anyway, I'm gonna go with the serious option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So honorable mention list. Here's who I had. I had, uh, as I mentioned, Kevin McAllister didn't get taken. I had Kevin Euclid. He could have been a good power forward or something. Six foot one, oh, kind of well built. Nice. Um, Kevin Bacon. Everybody knows Kevin Bacon. Five foot ten. Seems to be a good athlete. Uh, Kevin Jonas. How about one of the Jonas brothers? Five nine. He's mm-hmm. young. I would imagine he's played basketball. I don't know. Kevin Cost. I wrote down heights too, by the way. Yeah. I, I did. I'm guessing we did the same thing, which is listed <laughs> Kevin's and then just put their heights right next to them. Yep. Uh, Kevin Costner's six <laughs> one. He's a bit older though. I, I don't know how good he is at basketball. All his movies are like baseball or being an executive or golf or something. And then uh, the other ones I have, I have um, Kevin Harlan. If we wanted a broadcaster, and mm-hmm. then I would dominate that. Um, and then how about uh, I don't know if you've watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, but Kevin um, would be my CEO from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Okay, so those are good. You you pretty much crossed off most of mine, but you missed uh, two. One, another wrestler, Kevin Owens, pretty athletic guy, bowling ball. But if someone had to play Kevin Owens in a movie, it would be Kevin James. So I just thought, you know, cut out the middleman and let's just take Kevin James here. Uh, the second one, and I can't believe you've missed this. And you know what? I hope he's listening because I just want to say, well, his name's Kevin. Kevin, uh, I consider taking you. Clearly, you weren't even on Derek's list. 
Um, and that would be Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 sports. Oh. He'd be an excellent coach. Yeah. And I debated taking him, but uh, to be honest, I think more people are going to vote for Mr. Wonderful than Kevin Flaherty. But uh, that's no disrespect to him. I just like Shark Tank. Okay, so your coach, Kevin O'Leary, uh, you're starting five. Kevin Hart at the one, Kevin James at the two, Kayvon Thibodeau at the three, <laughs> Kevin Malone at the four, Kevin Nash at the five. And nice. then it's a good basketball team for me. I've got Kevin Feige as the head coach, uh, Kevin De Bruyne as the one Kevin from minions at the two Kevin Sumlin as the three Kevin Cobb as the four and Kevin from up as the five. How you feeling? I feel good. Um, I just want to make sure that you're not going to put heights when you post this. Twitter poll. Uh, people can do the research. They don't need to know that you have a 13 foot bird at the five <laughs> um, in the same way that they don't need to know you have a three foot tall shooting. bird. So, mm-hmm. Um, I think our rosters balance well. Uh, I think yours has more professional athletes than mine, although I disagree with you being like, actually, Kevin Cobb is a freak athlete. I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, compared but, to me and uh, you. I like your team. I like your team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you just combine Kevin from Minions and Kevin from Up, average height's eight feet tall, so I don't see what the issue is. Um, well, I will put it up for a poll. You can go vote for it at RCST1320. Scott, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for having me. That was Scott Chasen, our draft of Kevins. You can go at RCST1320 to vote. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We'll be back after this on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Well, the Royals losing to the Houston Astros just... Minutes ago, 5-2 to two after uh, leading early in the game, but unable to do so. They they did have a strong start against, I, I mean, strong is, you know, anytime you can get really anything on the board right now against Justin Verlander, that's pretty good. Uh, kind of similar yesterday, they, they got up on Christian Javier, which he's been on quite the hot streak. So we're joined by David Lesky here of Inside the Crown. Um, pitching staff can't hold the lead once again for the Royals here. They were able to do so yesterday, but just continues to be a common theme with as bad as it's been that, you know, Royals might get up two or three, nothing, or they might score four runs, but it just hasn't really seemed to matter of obviously didn't get to the four run mark today. Um, hypothetically, uh, David, if you could add like the, the, you know, HDH bullpen to this team, and, because essentially that was always the talking point that it cut games down to six innings, basically, because last three innings were just pointless for the other team. Um, what's their record right now? Well, I, if you look at what their record is when they scored four or more runs, um, which I did, they are 19 and 20 this year. They are, um, unless the Reds came back earlier and scored a couple runs and lost. They are the only team under 500 when they score four or more runs. The average team has about a 740 winning percentage. So if you give the Royals the average record, which probably would not be the case if they had HDH, mind you, but just the average record, they would be 40 and 41. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, they're, 
there's there's good and bad with that, right? Because you look at it and you go, okay, so are they actually close? <laughs> because really, it's it's a some bullpen work that needs to be done. You you would you would think. Um, and it's not all the bullpen. Some of it is the starting rotation. So it's not just adding two or three relievers, but you start to look at what the offense has done, and they've been not just better but good for like a month now, a little over a month. Really, really, if you – you know, I gave the new hitting coaches two weeks basically to get their message across. They've been top half of the league since then. Um, so you have to feel a little bit like – if they can figure out this pitching thing, they might have enough to at least be competitive. Um, but on the flip side, it's like, well, but they don't figure it out <laughs> because they don't, they don't have the, they don't have the guys in place to help that obviously. So there's good and bad, but yeah, I would say, I, I think it's safe to say they'd be around 500 if they had HDH. That's pretty crazy. Um, we're talking yeah. David Lesky here. That's kind of painful to hear, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I said, it's, it's painful and also encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Right. Um, also, though, that's adding, you know, one of the nastiest, like, three-man bullpens oh, right. that we've seen, right? But, oh, guess, but, but like, that, like, like if you added the Yankees bullpen, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it really, if they had an average unit, if they had average start, average pitching staff, they'd probably be 500-plus. So I've been uh, away in Germany for the past couple weeks. This is the first time we've talked since then. Um, what would be the most succinct way you could recap those last two weeks? Honestly, not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you missed some mediocre baseball, which is a Dang huge it. improvement over what you left. <laughs> they, like I said, the bats have been better. They've gotten some good starts. Um I can't. Were you were you gone when they were on the West Coast road trip, or were you do were you still here for that? I don't even remember. I really don't. Yeah. Well, they they played moderately decent baseball. That's the best way I can describe it. Which again is a huge improvement over what you, they were playing when you left. <laughs> okay, so that's a positive. So things are going in the right way. Yeah. Um, All star starters get announced. I think it's tomorrow night for the Royals. I mean, with the way Andrew Benintendi has been hitting of late and really all season. Um, obviously this slugging's not totally there, but again, he's on one, another one of the hot streaks that we kind of see him get into. Is he the obvious candidate to be the Royals all-star pick or who do you think that would be right now? I mean, it's, it's gotta be him. Um, I, I, you can, I guess make a case. I think Scott Barlow, you can make a case for he's, he's good. Um, problem is he's not one of the, what, six or eight best relievers in baseball or in the American league. So he doesn't deserve it over others. Um, I, I, I even know Michael A. Taylor, um, I think has a case as the best Royals player this season, which might be sad. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's gotta be Ben and And honestly, for, well, so with the trade deadline coming and then the, the, the draft coming up, I, I, I feel like, Trades are being delayed anyway because teams are really focused on the draft right now. Um, we could talk for three hours about why the draft date is stupid, but um, one of the reasons is because it's delaying the trade deadline. I think through the talk at least, but I don't think the Royals should move Ben and before the All-Star game anyway because then they trade their All-Star representatives. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 I don't think they're going to go into that game 
with their all-star representative wearing a Blue Jays uniform or <laughs> whatever, whatever he, wherever he might go. So um, I think it's him, and I think that's part of why you're not going to see him move for a couple weeks. That's actually an interesting um, hypothetical. Has that ever happened where a player like, – yeah. does he change jerseys? What happens there? So it was weird. I don't know what would happen if he got traded in the American League. I'm sure it has happened, but – Think back, it was uh, 2014, Justin Marja got traded from the Cubs to the A's. And it was, um, gosh, like, right, might have been, it was first week of July, I think. So the All-Star game was a week earlier, I, I believe. So the game that the players already been announced, he got traded. And, and I think he went in, like, a, like the Rob Lowe MLB cap or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't remember what he wore, but he didn't wear either uniform. Wow. See, I wonder if yeah, you're... Yeah, it'd be weird. If you're like Andrew Benintendi and you're his agent, like if you're the Royals right now, you could hypothetically trade him today and then they'd have to sure. pick someone else to be the representative. If you're Andrew Benintendi and you're his agent, you got to tell the front office, like, no, hold on to me for at least two more days so I can get picked. Right. Well, let me get selected. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the problem is, like I said, with the draft coming up, what, next Sunday, I think it is, um, teams, every, I've, I've talked to a couple people who, just keep saying it is silent, and it's because teams are so focused on the draft, which is one of the 38 reasons that the draft in, in mid-July at the All-Star Weekend is just terrible. Um, but that's, that's what it is. So can't, can't change it. But that's really delaying a lot of stuff anyway. So I, you know, I, I think um, I don't know that they would have found a trade partner regardless. But, um, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine – the Royals would want to have their author representative announced as a Yankee or a Blue Jay or whatever. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned, you said Michael A. Taylor, you can make the argument he's been the Royals' best player right now. Uh, who do you think would fetch more in a trade, Michael A. Taylor or Andrew Benintendi? Uh, I think it's Benintendi just because uh, I don't know how many people, how many teams trust what Taylor has done. Um, obviously, th- there's been some big changes with his plate discipline, his lack his. Fewer strikeouts, more walks, all that stuff. He's hit better in general. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't have the track record. And so, yeah, he's got the extra year of control, but I think a lot of teams might look at that and say, okay, sure, but he might turn into a pumpkin next year. So, um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that they look at as, oh, we get Michael A. Taylor for a year and a half. It's, hey, we hope he keeps this up for two and a half more months and then we figure it out next year. Um, and, and I also think the thing about Ben Benintendi, he's a legitimately – Good hitter. Um, the, I think his power would play up if you know if he went to New York or Philadelphia or I, the Astros don't really need him, but you know, Houston. I, I think you would probably see more power from him. Um, but I mean, he's just a pure hitter. We, we, he was on base two times or more in what now ten straight games. Um, good eye at the plate. He's not striking out. He's just doing everything well in the batter's box except for hitting home runs, basically. And I think that there are so many teams who need that bat somewhere that I think he brings back more. We're talking with David Lesky inside the crown here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Bobby Witt Jr. has continued his ascension throughout the season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure for people who, if they're more so just paying attention to the local stuff, which I, I think baseball can come that way a little bit. You may not see this as much, but from like a, a national perspective, 
Julio Rodriguez is getting like a huge bump right now. There's this argument about everybody trying to get him into the all-star game and everything with kind of the ascension that he's had after kind of a similar uh, season to Bobby Witt Jr. Started a bit slow, but you could see the potential was there, and now he's just kind of risen up into being uh, kind of a star over the last couple months. Do you think if, if the Royals were winning more games and, and weren't as far down as they are right now that Bobby Witt would be getting kind of the same treatment nationally that Julio Rodriguez is? Yeah, I do. I do. Because he's played good defense at shortstop. Um, he hasn't been as good as Rodriguez. I mean, if if I had a rookie of the year vote, I wouldn't vote for Bobby Witt Jr. I, I would I would wish he would win, but I wouldn't. I would, you couldn't vote for him. You can't in good, in good conscience vote for that because Julio Rodriguez has has better numbers. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, but if the Royals were playing better, if they were 40 and 41, I, I think you'd hear a lot more about Bobby Witt Jr. Because what he's doing, it, it's interesting because Julio Rodriguez is doing a lot of what Bobby Witt Jr. is doing, but maybe just a little bit better right now. But it's not normal for either of these guys to be doing that. I mean, the last 2020 rookie was Mike Trout, I think, right? In 2012, I mean, it's been 10 years since a rookie went 2020, and they're, I mean, assuming Bobby Witt Jr.'s hand is not an issue, um, they're both going to do that this year. <laughs> so it hasn't been done in 10 years, and two guys are going to. So it's just, it, I think it kind of shadows, but puts a shadow over Witt a little bit. Um, but yeah, if they, if they were better, if they were in more of a position to, to make a move, and, and look, if they were 40, and coming into today, if they were 40 and 40, it would have been three and a half games out of a playoff spot. I mean that's that's not nothing. <laughs> they, they, there would be there would be focus on the Royals, um, and and I think Witt would get a ton of it. He'd he'd be ascending to superstar. It I, look, I think he's going to get there. I don't I don't think, and I think he's going to get there even if the Royals lose 100 games in the next four years. I think he will be a superstar. But it'd be a lot easier if they were winning a little bit. And, and the Mariners got hot. With Rodriguez playing well, and that, that kind of pushed him up there. But I, I think Whittle will get there soon enough. Taylor Clark has uh, kind of had a roller coaster season. He had the hot start, then a bit of a dip in between. Pitching well of late, including last night against the Astros. Have you seen enough there that, hypothetically, if Scott Barlow and, and Josh Stamont or uh, someone were able to be traded away, that you would feel confident in Taylor Clark sliding into that closer role? Uh, confident, no, but confident enough, I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you've got an 11 start stretch or 11 game stretch where you had like a 10, eight ERA, I feel, you know, could that happen again? Yeah. I mean, I think about Brad Keller, for example, you know, when he's going good, that at some point the mechanics are going to get out of whack and he's going to have a stretch where he struggles for a month, two months, who knows? Um, I, you wonder if Clark is that same way. He's never been as good as he has been when he's been good this year. So it's a little bit concerning. But at the same time, I mean, this is a guy who throws strikes. He throws hard. He's got a good changeup. I mean, there's a lot to like. There are worse things than having an inexperienced veteran, I guess is the way that I would put it for Taylor Clark, having him get a shot at closing because they have him in team control for three more years after this one. So, if it turns out, hey, he's he's got this. That's great. <laughs> that, that's a piece that you have that you didn't realize you had before, and and it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, look, Liam Hendricks. Uh, I remember in twenty fifteen, he was making starts for the Royals, and he was throwing ninety one, and and looking a lot like 
I don't know, no offense, Jeremy Guthrie, but like Jeremy Guthrie out there. And, and now he's, now he's this hulking closer who's throwing 99. Guys have done this. It, closers come from weird places. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily predict that he will have huge success as a closer if, if he is pushing that role, but, but it'd be worth finding out. And I think that he might. Uh, Vinny Pascantino, 0 for 4 today, and that continues to drop down the average. Now, the, the walking ability still looks good. Uh, the patience, honestly, the OBP still looks pretty good. Uh, but we haven't really seen the hits come, haven't really seen the power come outside of his first hit, which that was uh, quite an interesting first hit to have. Um, do you think this ends in, in him having to go back down to Omaha or – have you seen enough that even with the average and, and the power not showing up just yet in, in still small sample size, that you're confident he's going to figure this out soon at the major league level? Yeah, I mean, it could. It very well could end up with him and back in Omaha. I don't, I don't anticipate that because he's still, until he's not giving a good plate appearance, I don't think there's anything to worry about because he's, I, I went and looked at the, the, pitch map or pitch chart or whatever of pitches he has swung at before two strikes. And there are some on the edges, but he just doesn't swing the bat with, with less than two strikes if he can't drive a ball. And that approach will get you far. <laughs> you you may get to two strike counts and it'll happen. And he got, look, it was, was it two nights ago he got called out on a pitch below the zone. It wasn't a strike. So he gets a strike out there, but I'd, I'd tell him to take that pitch 100 times out of 100. Um and he's going to keep doing that, and he's hitting the ball hard. That that's where the confidence comes in for me. Is is you know even today he had a couple that were one at ninety nine. I think he had one at ninety. I don't remember the other one, but he's 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 hit the ball hard. Um, he's showing good plate discipline, a really good approach. The hits are going to come, and and it, it's possible that he gets frustrated and starts to expand his own. Um, I mean, that, that happened. So if, if the approach changes, sure. But until then, I I don't have any worries about him just yet. I think he's, I think he's just fine. Well, the Royals certainly have another uh, top-named prospect with Nick Prado at that first base position. He's going to be playing in the Futures game upcoming. Uh, what do you envision being the future path, the timeline uh, for Nick Prado now? Well, I my guess, <laughs> it's just a guess because, gosh, you really never know with this team. Um, I think he's been playing a lot of corner outfield. Um, I, I think ultimately he's the first baseman. Um, but I think he's the guy who comes up for Ben Intendi when Ben Intendi moves. And I think you see him in left field. Um, the, the long-term future of this team, if you say Prado, Melendez, Pasquantino, and Salvi all need to be on the field, somebody's got to play a corner outfield spot. And it's not going to be Salvi. <laughs> it's not going to be Pasquantino. So, um, you know, I, I guess I guess they don't have to do that. But you you, you probably don't want uh, Prado and Melendez in the outfield at the same time. That would that would require uh, probably keeping Michael A. Taylor to play center field for them. But I, I think um, I think you'll see I think you'll see Prado play some left field this year. My guess is. Play deadline's August 2nd. I don't know that they're going to hold Ben Intendi up till that last second, but once he's gone, I think Prado's up here. And um, then, then it's kind of going to be the lineup that everybody wanted to see all season long. It's going to be a very young lineup, which is fun. It's exciting. 
All right, before we let you go, uh, as is tradition, and I don't know, you can either do this as player of the last, like, three weeks to to account for uh, me not being here, or if you can just want to do the player for the last week. Who is your uh, Royals player of the week or weeks? Well, if we go this week, NJ Melendez had a really good week. Three home runs, um, or two home runs. No, three home runs. He had two, two in one game and then one another game. Um, he he did a really nice job, and and. One thing that I think is worth noting with Melendez, he really struggled behind the plate defensively. In the last week, he's, I think a lot of things have settled down for him. He looks like the guy we saw in the minors. And so because this award means so much, I want to give it to him partially because of the improvement behind the plate. Um, I, I thought about that before. I didn't think about the last three weeks because we haven't talked in a long time. Um, but off the top of my head, I mean, it's got to be Andrew Benintendi, who probably really deserves it this week, too. But he's he's been, I mean, about as steady as they come. He had a little bit of a slump. Um, I can't remember. I don't remember when you left. You clearly don't either. So, <laughs> I don't know. But, but at some point, um, he was in an O for a two for or something like that. Ever since he broke out of it, I mean, he's, he's on base two or three times every single game. So, He's going to get my longer-term reward, but MJ Melendez for the last week because he's done a nice job. He is. David Lesky always does a nice job. MVP here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. David, appreciate the time <laughs> as always, man. Yep, definitely. Thanks. All right, that's David Lesky. Check out his work. Subscribe to his Substack Inside the Crown with David Lesky. For Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson. We've got a top 10 list to get to coming up here. Uh, Before we get to our lie detector test, I did want to bring a a couple other pieces of news, notes uh, that we didn't get to in, in the last segment. The University of Kansas Cancer Center has been deemed a comprehensive place for research by the National Cancer Institute. Um, and this is obviously a big deal. It's, uh, it comes with a $14 million new research funding, and it will make way for more research grants for the center, along with increased visibility and status that could draw more patients and funding. So, um, you know, just from a standpoint of good things happening, like just in general, that's a great thing to happen. More research uh, to try to, you know, figure out some of these awful diseases like cancer, That that's a great thing. Now, obviously, we're a sports show, so the sports view of this is that um, that's a nice boost to the resume for the University of right. Kansas. And we know the Big Ten, like, they, is it the most important thing? No. Like, obviously, this seems to more just care about, like, the money aspect of it. But, you know, the academic and, and the stature kind of appeal to things, like, that That certainly makes KU look even better. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it's, you know, just interesting to think about, you know, yeah, let, let's just say the Big Ten, you know, looking at KU, just like, yeah, we like their sports at all. But you see this thing? You see this cool thing we're doing? Yeah, we want that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're a member of the AAU. Like, they have a lot of that kind of going their way, which 
uh, is certainly a good thing. But yeah, above all else, like just having that is obviously just important just to begin with. Um, the other piece of, of news was that Lorenzo McCaskill, we talked about him with Michael Swain earlier this week here on RCSD. You can check that out on the Best of RCSD podcast if you missed it. Transfer uh, linebacker in from Louisiana, all Sun Belt player on a Louisiana team that we've seen pop in and out of the top 25 the last couple of years. They've been one of the better group of five teams uh, that we've seen over the last handful of years. He got his uh, 24-7 sports transfer portal grade, which was an 88, which tied him for KU's highest rated transfer. So, I mean, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, that's great. And, who's and you're the, adding who's this the other in the game. We, who's the other? Do we know? Off the top of our domes? I want to say it was Marvin Grant from Purdue. Okay. Maybe Kai Thomas from Minnesota were kind of tied for the lead there. Okay. Um, yep, Lonnie Phelps as well. Those are the two along with him. Great. And, and we view all those guys very highly. So that should just show you what you're going to get with this guy. Uh, I think that you assume he's going to come in. He's going to be a starter from day one that he's going to really impact that linebacking core. I, I, I look at the schedule, and it's hard to pluck out, like, what Big 12 teams are you going to beat? Maybe you could just figure you'll upset someone. How do you find two or three wins in the Big 12 if you're KU to try to get to that four, five, six-win status, whatever it is? It, it's hard to find that, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go quite there yet that they're going to be a bowl team or anything, but, man, you just look at the way they're beefing up the roster with the transfer portal. It, it's hard not to think this team won't be a lot more competitive and shouldn't at least get you three wins and, and maybe even contend to win four or five if if things kind of go your way. Yeah, with all of that, I, I honestly have to say this is probably the most excited I've been about a KU football roster in a long time. Yep. I'm excited so, for it. Lorenzo McCaskill, that's a uh, another big-time get, which they already had, but that kind of the official grade on it. All right, let's get into our lie detector test, kind of a shorter lie detector test today. Either haven't been a lot of potential liars of late or it's probably just because I haven't – uh, been as in the know with the sports world after being away for a couple weeks. I uh, feel like we need to get Maury Povich on this segment. <laughs> I think it's probably going to be a little above our budget, <laughs> but I'm going to task you with that. That's okay. your job. You have to go get the higher-ups upstairs All to right. try to get us a po- uh, Maury Povich budget. Uh, okay, this is from this is something we actually talked about earlier this week. Brandon Marcello, uh, again, I don't know why I keep referring to him because this is just a statement from Colorado. Uh Colorado Boulder Chancellor Dr. Philip Stefano and Athletic Director Rick George. CU Boulder supports the decision of the Pac-12 Board of Directors this morning to begin conference media rights negotiations. It's not specifically that part. It's this part. We are committed to the Pac-12 conference and look forward to being an active participant in those conversations. You believe him? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Only because they're, sa- they're only saying that just because A- they're optimistic that the Pac-12 can stay upright, or B, the Pac-12 is telling them to say that. Yeah, this. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this is a lie. Um, this is like a strategic lie. It's it's playing the winner. It's 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 keeping your options open. It's not necessarily a lie because it could end up being the truth. Like. Hypothetically, if the Pac-12 comes to them and they're able to negotiate some crazy media rights fee with ESPN or Amazon or whoever, and they're like, we're going to pay you so much money, here's what you're going to make as part of this, then I'm sure they would say, yeah, we are going to stay at that point. And then we would look back on this and say, see, they were telling the truth. But I think it's also just a realistic view of, we're like, 
in what way does it help us if if we come out here and say, no, we're looking to bounce? Like that that doesn't help <laughs> right. in any way. You know what I mean? Um, it's, you, it's basically just to maintain good publicity. Exactly. You could make the argument that well, then why not just be silent and not say one thing either way? But like clearly, this is something where it needed to be addressed, so they had to kind of come out and say this. Um, Hey, I, wink. We are good with saying yeah, it. Yeah, right. Well, Could you wink. imagine if he wrote in parentheses winky face or something? <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly what all went down when the Texas-Oklahoma things were happening, but I could have sworn that somebody from Oklahoma brass, like right when the first report came out, was like, no, this this isn't true. Or, you know, they basically sidestepped around it. And then it turns out like this is just kind of the, the dance. This is just kind of the game that happens. So it would not shock me if, you know, we wake up tomorrow and it's like, oh, Colorado is officially joining the Big 12. Nobody's going to even remember this happened, at least, you know, from the national perspective. I'm sure locally it could be. But, um, yeah, I I expect them to explore all options. Doesn't mean when I say they're lying that they're for sure going to leave. Doesn't mean that if they stay in the Pac-12, they weren't lying. It's just they're just playing kind of all sides right now. Okay, uh, the next one, Zion Williamson. He just got a massive extension with the New Orleans Pelicans despite missing all of last season and despite only playing in a uh, very small amount of games before receiving this extension. Quote, in the beginning of the season, I told the world, if y'all ever want to know if I want to be here, instead of asking me, the world just ran with narratives. So when my family was going out in public on why we don't like New Orleans, why we don't want to be here when that's not the case at all, I wasn't able to play because my foot was broke. So that sucked. Every time I checked my phone, it was always negative. Even when you're trying to make a positive out of the situation, it was very tough. He goes on to kind of say that um, this is where he wants to be in New Orleans. Do you believe him? I don't know if anybody wants to be in New Orleans, in all fairness. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, the the only reason I would think that he would want to stick around is because, well, that's the franchise that wanted him when he got drafted number one overall back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think so. I don't think he's telling the truth. No, I don't think he's telling the truth about him wanting to stay in New Orleans. I think this is just straight up about the money and he's not in a position because they have still years on his rookie contract. They still have the years of the extension where even if he didn't sign it, they would have the restricted rights on him. But basically, they have his control. If you were to request for a trade, he might get it, but he's obviously going to want the, the hometown money that he can get because you get more money for sticking around and want that extension before he requests the trade so that he gets his money and eventually that were to be the case. I just I don't get this whole quote. It's like very back yeah, and forth. It's it like, is. you know... I want to be here. But then he's like, but then my family went out in public and said we don't like New Orleans. Like, so, so which one is it? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? I. It bothers me that we've gotten to this point in the NBA where, and, and I don't want to be like old man of like, oh, back in my day, every superstar played every single game and they played all 82, even if half of them were the broken arm. Like, no, like there's. There's a line there. Like, I don't want guys playing through that type of stuff, but I feel like we've kind of, at least for some players, crossed over the line. And to the fact of where, like, it's just become this, I don't know. I, I Like, could you imagine if a player, you know, he's he becomes a five-star prospect. 
So he gets through his junior year of high school. He's a five-star prospect. He's like, you know, I don't want to risk getting injured. I'm just going to sit out my senior year of high school. Gets to his freshman year of college, and he's sitting there like, you know what? I'm projected to be a top 10 pick. Why would I even risk it and, and play? Like, I'm just right. going to sit out my year of, of college. Then he goes to the NBA on his rookie deal. And he just sits out his first year of the NBA. And he's like, no, I don't want to play on the rookie deal. I want a contract extension. Like, it just, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's not that extreme, but like, I feel like we're getting to that point where it's just like everything is just sit out. Zion's played 85 games and he got this massive extension and I don't blame the Pelicans for doing it either because when he's been on the court he's been electric averaged 27 points seven rebounds almost four assists per game on over 60 percent from the field the last time we saw him in that 2020-21 season in 61 games he was just unstoppable offensively right. so I don't blame them for doing it because they're kind of backed in a corner where it's like well if we don't do this we're gonna lose him for nothing and and I don't want that to be the case it's it's just unfortunate where it's gone but yeah as far as do I believe him Honestly, I'm expecting Zion to be on another team within the next, what, like five years? I, I do, too. Okay, uh, last one. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is the receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Um, so there was a fan account that tweeted out, like, the initial rumors or trade of Panthers acquiring Baker Mayfield. And Anderson commented to the fan account on Instagram. No! was his comment with a bunch of O's. Now, he was asked about this later. He said, I said what I said. That's just my thinking out loud, my thoughts, just trying to be a good teammate to my quarterback in reference to Sam Darnold. That's it. Just trying to defend a guy who is my quarterback in a sense. That's it. Then he recently added, he doesn't have any issue with Baker Mayfield. Stop trying to paint that issue or paint that picture. Do you believe him? Do you believe him that... I guess he wasn't actually mad at Baker Mayfield and he was just defending Sam Darnold. Or mad that Baker Mayfield was going to be his quarterback. I think he is upset that Baker Mayfield is going to be his quarterback. <laughs> in so you think he's a liar. You know what I thought Robbie Anderson should have done? Hmm. Just kept quiet. Yeah. That would have been the much better option. I'm sure Baker Mayfield loves this. He goes from a situation <laughs> in Cleveland where Odell Beckham's dad is making videos about you should have thrown to my son. He was open here, and now he goes to a situation where this happens. Um, I love my favorite thing is this, where it's like he created his own story. He is the right. one who, like you said, he could have just kept quiet. He went onto this account and said no, and then he recently said he was like, people need to stop trying to paint that picture that that's the case that I don't like. It's like, dude, you are the one who started this. <laughs> like, what do you? You can't just like, like. Imagine if you just, like, left a bag of flaming poop on someone's door, right. knocked on the door, and just waited out there, and somebody comes aside, and they're like, why did you do this? And it's like, what are you talking about? You did this to yourself. I didn't do anything. <laughs> just, like, so so stupid. This um, is from your dog. <laughs> and there's no way. Like, come on, dude. He has to realize. Like, Sam Darnold was so bad last year. There's no way he was just doing this to be a good teammate and defend Sam Darnold. Come on. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Yeah, I think all of them were liars. I think that was our consensus here. Maybe we're just in bad moods. I don't know. <laughs> all right, that is your lie detector test. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got a top 10 for you coming up on the other side. With Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it.